Good morning, church. Welcome to Church at Home. If you are at home on the couch, if you're in your pajamas, that's fantastic. Enjoying a coffee, having breakfast, that's some, just some of the advantages of church at home. Unless, of course, you have invited friends over, then that's totally inappropriate to so go and get changed. Um, no, welcome to uh, this morning. It's great to be able to meet in homes all across um, Adelaide. And I knew that God had something uh, to say to us this morning when in the middle of a crazy week, uh, you know, I sat down to look at the plan text that I had in Luke's gospel uh, for this morning. And it was Luke chapter 14 and the story of a large intimate gathering, uh, a feast and uh, something that we can't do at the moment. So I just knew that God had something to, to share with us this morning. Uh, but I wanted to address that just for a moment because um, some of you might not have realized, but it very much does look like this might be the norm for the next season of time. And, and that's gonna be a period of adjustment for us as a church. And whenever you go through a period of a change and adjustment, um, we have all kinds of emotions about that. Uh, some of us feel overwhelmed, um, defeated, all of that sort of thing. And so we need to make sure that in this next season of time, we uh, look out for each other. Um, we do a, a, an extra, uh, make an extra effort to, to care for each other um, as, as the church. Um, it's genuinely a difficult thing to get our head around. Um, this week, uh, I've had people come into the office even, and you realize how much you, you value physical touch, people that you have strong affection for coming in. You want to give them a hug. Um, but we've been advised not to do that at the moment. There's all kinds of different uh, of adjustments. And I wanted to say that I am concerned about people um, who perhaps aren't feeling so connected at the moment. Perhaps you feel a little bit isolated or you're susceptible to be being lonely. I am concerned about you. And I do wanna make sure that you feel like you have an open uh, door uh, to, to talk uh, or even to talk over the phone. Uh, and, and we really want to uh, make sure that we are here for you as a church over the, over the coming months. Um, but I'm also believing with real faith uh, that this could be a moment that Jesus shines bright and that the church shines bright in this time. Uh, the reason is, is because when you actually look at this text in Luke chapter 14, we are being invited to an incredible, full, packed to the rafters kind of intimate uh, feast. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I'll absolutely love to have a six or seven course banquet. I love to go out and order the whole thing and to have it paired with wine, beautiful wine and dessert and to have a room that's kind of buzzing. Uh, it's just one of my favorite things to do. Um, and maybe that's something we're gonna have to forego for a season of time. Uh, but in this text, Jesus actually tells this story about a great banquet when he's actually sitting uh, at a dinner party himself. And he looks around the room and he sees who's been invited and who's not been invited, which is always very important uh, about whether you have a good time or not. And he decides to actually go into a, an awkward kind of uh, unusual dinner party chat. You see, usually at dinner parties, you keep it light. You don't talk politics. You don't talk religion and all that sort of stuff. You sort of keep it light. Uh, but Jesus actually decides to, to counsel the host of the party at this time. And he says, he says to him, he says, when you invite people over to a dinner party, don't just invite people that you know that you can receive from in return. You see, that's, no, that's not giving at all. That's not generosity at all. Instead, go out and invite people that can repay you nothing. And then you will know that you'll receive your reward on the, on the day of the resurrection of the just. And so he actually in this moment gives a little bit of counsel about how to hold a dinner party. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I think I'd maybe feel a little bit offended if I'd been invited someone to my house for a dinner party and they decided to actually question my motives about, whether, about why they invited me. And that's maybe what is kind of going on here in this kind of room. The air kind of thickens a little bit as everyone kind of thinks, well, you know, what's Jesus doing in, the, in this moment? Why is he talking religion? Why is he talking politics? Why is he actually confronting my motives uh, for inviting him here? Well, at a dinner party, you always need that person who can kind of clear the air. You know, the person who can always be, can sort of be like, anyway, moving right along, uh, you know, we're all kind of, you know, going through this life together. You know, just someone just kind of can clear the air with some kind of cliche uh, statement. Well, it's a little bit disguised here in the text, but actually, in, this is actually kind of what happens in verse 15. Someone at the table pipes up and says, well, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And it's kind of used, it sounds like a nice thing, but it was actually a common, well-known Jewish phrase. You know, uh, blessed is everyone who's going to eat at the table. And it's kind of, you know, said in a way that would be like a Christian cliche, something that kind of helps us not have to confront reality, but actually just kind of move on and keep everything relaxed, keep everything at ease. But Jesus is in really in a mood for spiritual cliches. He, he doesn't want to really kind of just leave it as just a nice sentiment where everyone can just move on. You see, Jesus wants people to face reality. That's what he always wants to do. The Christian faith has never really been a faith that's just built on nice sounding words, spiritual cliches and mood lifters or self-esteem boosters. It's never really been about that. It's always been about waking people up to actually face reality. And I think that's relevant for us in the moment that we are in. You see, it's, it's really easy if you look all over social media and around the world to just kind of see this as a moment, people you know, wanting to bury their head in the sand or, or just kind of you know, uh, rest on spiritual cliches or mood lifters or whatever. But actually, this is a moment for us to wake up and actually to face reality, to see actually what it is that God is trying to say to us. You know, we're a people who have enjoyed a culture of ease. We've enjoyed a culture of comfort for a long period of time. And now's the time that we're, some of these comforts and things are actually being taken away. This is no time for like, ah, you know, everything will be okay. This is a time for like, wow, like who am I? And what am I doing here? And where am I going? This is a moment to actually face reality. And so Jesus, not wanting to like the moment just to kind of drift off, he decides to tell a story about a dinner party in the middle of his dinner party. This is kind of, he starts the story about a man who once gave a great banquet and he sends out invitations for many people to come. This is kind of like when you have a party and you send out invitations and you actually want RSVPs because you want to know if you can cater for the party and you want to make sure that everyone is, is well looked after and, and there's enough food and no one goes without. Uh, well, you know, the dinner party, the day of the dinner party arrives and the host of the party sends out his servant to go and tell everyone, hey, dinner's ready. It's come, it's served. Now, now is the time to come to the meal. Uh, but to the servant's surprise, as he goes out and he collect, to collect everyone to come in, everyone, one by one, makes excuses. So the first uh, person says, ah, oh, sorry, I can't come. I've just gone and bought a field 
and I need to go and look at it. <laughs> and then the second person comes, uh, comes and says, no, sorry, I can't come. I've just bought, bought five yoke of oxen and I need to examine them. And then the third person says, well, no, sorry, I can't come because I just got married. And so I can't come either. Now, you can look into that and sort of work out whether they're legit excuses or not. But at the end of the day, that's what they are. Excuses, excuses, excuses. And so the servant comes back to the, um, to the host and you imagine the room that's all set up there perfectly. There's beautiful music that's playing. The table is set with the finest silverware. There's cushions on the seats. There's candles on the table. There's roast lamb, the smell of roast lamb and vegetables and beautiful wine. And it's all set up and he's standing there waiting, expecting for this big kind of line of people to come in the doors. And all that happens is the servant comes in and says, no one's coming. And the host of the party sort of steps back and says, what? No one's coming? Don't they realize what is being prepared for them? No one's coming. And so his shock kind of all of a sudden here in the text turns to anger. And he says, well, go out into the lanes and into the streets and invite the lame and the crippled and the blind. Invite them to come in. Uh, you know, and, and so the servant says, well, master, we've, we've gone out and we've invited all of those people, people in and there's still room. And so the master says, well, we'll go out into the highways, into the hedges and invite you know, everyone to come in because I want my house to be full. Jesus, the, the master of the house wants uh, his house to be full. And then Jesus chillingly kind of ends uh, this story. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And so Jesus finishes this story and there's no further explanation about what the parable actually means. It's actually left to us to actually work out what the parable means, but it's not really hard to work it out at all. Firstly, it's this, God is preparing eternal salvation and he has invited many people to receive it. The, but the cares of this world have distracted them from coming. And so God threw open the invitation to the whole world and there is still room at his table. This is what it, this parable is actually telling us. There's a great banquet that's being prepared and this is eternal salvation. And so in a time of social distance, panic and fear, Jesus wants people now to face reality or to face missing out on the great banquet. He wants to get our attention right now. He wants us to, to wake up, to see the invitation in a time of social distance to his intimate presence for all eternity. And so right now, church, I want to share three things that I believe God is speaking to us about right now uh, from this passage. The first thing I really believe that God wants us to know as a church is his comfort. He wants us to know his comfort. See this here in this text right now in this time where we're having to adjust to a new environment. God is actually painting a picture for us about this future at his banquet table in his intimate presence. And this is our great hope. And this is actually something that the prophets of old, Isaiah, spoke of many years before this particular moment in Luke chapter 14. You see this in Isaiah 25. Isaiah says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast. 
of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And so this morning, if you are discouraged, if you are overwhelmed, may you know this promise. If you're struggling with a a sense of worry about being isolated over this period of time, may you be comforted by the fact that there is a great banquet that is being prepared for you. This moment is temporary, but that will be forever. Jesus said that in the meantime, he would send a comforter, the Holy Spirit, who would actually come and indwell us and he will teach us all things. He will bring us to remembrance all these promises of of him uh, to our hearts so that we may know his presence right now in this time of social distance. That is the thing that I believe that God wants us to know right now. Wherever you are, he wants us to know his comfort. The second thing that I believe he wants us to know is his call. This is a moment that God has a calling upon the church. And I believe it's really well summed up in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, which goes like this. Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort that we just spoke about, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This is what I believe the call of God for upon the church is right now. We are comforted with God with this great inheritance that we have. And he wants us to go and comfort those right now who are troubled. And I believe that the way for us to do that is actually here in this text. It's, to actually, it's actually a call to radical generosity. Uh, we see that in the text that, that Jesus began with a rebuke about what real giving is. It's not uh, a giving with the expectation to receive, but, the, but giving knowing that there is a greater reward on the day of the resurrection of the just. You know, it's sad at the moment to look around in Australia and to realize that over the summer when we were ravaged by bushfires, there was this this outpouring of support for people, raising money, events put on, all that sort of stuff to support people. And I think that's because for many of us, the problem was far apart from us. But now what we're seeing in a time where uh, it's, there's an invisible threat and it's a threat to everybody in society, we're seeing things like panic buying and we're seeing people hoarding for themselves and we're seeing all kinds of you know, anger towards each other and, and self-interest at play. And I think this is actually a moment, a call that we have on the church to be different, to actually uh, step out in radical generosity so that we may not seek to store up for ourselves and look after ourselves first, but we may actually seek to give to others. And I believe uh, that means many different things, to be generous with our financial giving, uh, to make sure that we're aware of other people in our community and outside our community who are struggling and provide for them. That's one of the reasons that we've set up this website, that if you're in need of help or you can offer help, you can register that on our website. And we want to actually be an active community. 
I, I want you to know that because there'll be some of you right now who are thinking over the next six months that you're going to have to load up a credit card or something in order to provide food. Maybe some of you are actually like worried about your job uh, and all that sort of stuff. I want you to know that this community, this is what this church is for. We actually need in this moment to step up and to support you and we want to do that. Uh, but even more than that, there will be people uh, in our community who are actually struggling in this time. And this is a moment for us to, um, to, to display genuine uh, generosity, this, the type of generosity that doesn't need any reward in this life, but it will come in the life to come. The second thing I believe is our call is to actually remove distractions. You see in this text that there's three people who, who don't come to the invitation that Jesus is giving because they're distracted with the cares of this world. And maybe for you, over the, as you think about your life uh, over the last and your walk with God over the last year or so, maybe you realize that you have been just going through the motions, you've been distracted, you've been thinking, focused, all about the cares of this world. Well, I think this is a moment where those things are being burnt off, the, the kind of chaff is being blown away and we're actually being called you know, to radical uh, discipleship of Jesus, not just kind of this cultural Christianity where we re rely on someone to preach at us every week and a praise band to inspire our emotions, but actually, am I following Jesus? Am I serving him daily? You know, am I still kind of locked up in habitual sins over and over again? Or am I actually fleeing from those things and, and serving Christ? Because his offer of a great banquet is better. It's better, uh, it's better is one day in his house than a thousand elsewhere. And we have to hold on to that promise uh, right now, a call to remove distractions uh, in our life. And then the third thing is to reach even wider. You know, I, I believe in a time of being restricted in our gatherings that God actually may even uh, use us and the church even wider than we would have if we were meeting in buildings. You see, in six months time, every church in the world is going to have a really good technological setup, aren't they? You know, because we are being forced into going online and that is going to reach wider around the world than we can we could ever imagine. Maybe that is what God is, is, is actually doing, a, a, a way that God is able to redeem this so that the message can go out wider. Even this week, we've had people email in from people outside of South Australia asking for somebody just to connect with them to be able to talk through uh, how to make sense of this whole coronavirus situation. Who knows how God is going to use this, but I believe that his call in this time is for us to actually reach even wider than we could have imagined. So uh, God right now, he wants us to know his comfort. He wants us to know his call. And the third thing I believe is he wants us to know the cost. You know, there is, there is coming a time where you will, uh, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will stand in eternity in the intimate presence of Jesus and you will be have before you laid out something that the Bible calls pleasures forevermore. There's pleasures forevermore at his right hand. And as you partake in whatever those pleasures are, being with God and his great banquet table, you will not, have, you will not be sitting there uh, because you paid the price of admission. You'll be sitting there because of the, the expensive blood of Jesus Christ, where he laid down his life on the cross. He experienced a distance from his father so that we could know intimate presence with him. This is the beautiful thing right now in this moment. God is calling us to remember the cost. That is the true hope 
of this world. When everyone is, you know, panic buying and hoarding and in fear and worry, he's calling us to look at the cross and to see Jesus Christ who humbled himself, who laid down his life so that we may know uh, that our seat at that table is assured. Our name is on that list and we will enjoy pleasures forevermore. So church, right now, I don't want you to lose hope. Don't lose hope in this time. Because remember that on the third day, Jesus rose again. And that means that there is coming a day where we will experience his reward on the day of the resurrection of the just. Live right now by promises. Don't live by feelings, live by promises. These are, this is our hope right now in this season and in this, in this moment. So why don't we just take this opportunity right now, just wherever you are, let's just close our eyes and let's just bow our heads And just as we do that, I just want you to think right now and just claim that promise that the kingdom has come because Jesus come to the world. That means the arrival of his kingdom. And in that in that, it means that he demonstrated power over sin. He demonstrated power over disease and he demonstrated power over death. And so the kingdom has actually come. And yet there is more of the kingdom still yet to come. And we can, be, we can be fully assured and confident in that promise. So let's just, let's just right now just thank God for that right now in our hearts. Thank you, God, that your kingdom has come with the arrival of Jesus and that your kingdom is coming and that by faith our name is on the list and we will experience your presence, your intimate presence for all eternity. We thank you for that. And then secondly, I want you to just think right now, how can you choose to be generous in this next season? How might God be stirring in your heart to be generous to people uh, around you, in your community, in your family, in your neighbours, with your neighbours, with your friends, with people that you know are struggling? How can you actually step into that? The third thing, where right now do you need to remove distraction? Uh, Maybe you have been living that kind of cultural Christianity, resting your faith in external things. What are the cares of the world, the distractions of the world that you need to put aside and focus all of your heart and life on Jesus? And then lastly, who can you reach out to? Who can you reach out to through various means? It might be Skype. It might be through, uh, through Facebook. It might be through all the online means that we have now. Or it might just be meeting in small groups, connecting with someone you haven't connected with for a while that may have questions. Who can you reach out to uh, in this season of time? Father God, we thank you for this word that you had for us today. We thank you that in a time where we are having to be physically apart, you are gracing us with your presence. You are revealing to us the comfort of a future with you. And Lord, you are also at the same time placing a call on us to be different in this moment, to be a light to the nations, to be radically generous and to remove distractions from our life and also to reach out wider to those who need you in this moment. So Lord, would you use us? Would you comfort us? And would you bless us in the months, in the weeks and the months to come? We praise you, we worship you even through the storm and we hold on to your promises today.
in Jesus' name. Amen.